Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Charles Russell Speechley's Grant Thornton podcast, reviewing the policy announcements of the last uh, two weeks uh, by Her Majesty's Government, Boris Johnson's speech, Build, 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 two weeks ago, and the announcements uh, on Wednesday that were given by Rishi Sunak, Chancellor of the Exchequer. My name is David Savage, and I'm a construction and infrastructure partner uh, in the construction, engineering, and projects team at Charles Russell Speechley's. I'm delighted uh, to be joined today by Kirsten Muller, who is the head of real estate at Grant Thornton, and by Claire Fallows, who is a planning partner in the Charles Russell Speechley's real estate team. We're going to be looking at uh, the headline announcements of those two uh, speeches over the last fortnight, and in particular, focusing on the tax and real estate components. The initiative uh, that has been uh, signposted so far as planning reforms, which Claire will take us through. And then at the end of this podcast, I'll say a little bit about some of the infrastructure announcements uh, that have been uh, uh, covered over those two uh, policy speeches. But we're going to start with tax and real estate. And I'm going to turn to Kirsten to outline for us uh, his initial assessment of the policy announcements in those areas. Uh, thank you, David. Uh, and yeah, welcome, everyone. So of particular note is the emphasis on boosting the recovery of the housing market in the UK. And of course, that is because the housing market is so intrinsically linked to the British public's perception of economic prosperity. So the expectation is that any stimulus there will have a knock-on benefit for the whole economy. So obviously what we saw yesterday was a temporary cut to stamp to your land tax on residential home purchases up to half a million pounds. And from what we know right now, that's applicable to both homeowners and those buying second homes and investment properties. Although it's obviously worth noting that the latter will still have to, free, have to pay the 3% surcharge. So really what we're ending up with right now is then uh, as of as of the 8th of July uh, until 31 March 2021, so quite a long period of time, is a cut and stamp to your land tax that exempts a vast majority of properties. And I think the, the expectation is that would exempt around 90% of, of transactions in, in that sector. So it's also worth noting that this uh, that, that was coupled with an increase in the nil rate threshold for, for the treatment of leases. Um, so at the minute, there is a stamp land tax to pay on the net present value of leases. Uh, that's now increased to 500,000 as well from, from what was £125,000. So I guess the question is whether that will actually have the desired impact on, on the recovery of the housing market. Uh, and, and I think everyone recognises the high economic multiplier of that uh, and the confidence it gives people to, to spend uh, money. I expect that we may well see some more targeted measure, measures later in the year uh, to, to continue to boost the housing market, uh, and in particular to give people the confidence. Obviously, other notable tax measures uh, were the reduction in the rate of VAT for hospitality, uh, for the hospitality sector as a whole, so in particular accommodation, food, uh, and attractions. And that applies from the 15th of July, so next week Wednesday, until uh, 12th of January 2021. So the primary aim there is to really support uh, businesses and jobs in the hospitality sector. So, and that, that reduced rate of VAT will apply to the supply of food, non-alcoholic drinks, 
interesting given that pubs have just been reopened. Uh, but they have to be from restaurants, pubs, bars, cafes, etc. Um, and of course, then the accommodation, accommodation and admission to attractions, uh, say it applies there as well. I think at present, our expectation is that uh, not all of these uh, VAT cuts will be passed on by businesses to end consumers, that a lot of them will actually be taken uh, by the business themselves to shore up their, their income statements and cash position. Um, I'm, I'm still in two minds as to what, what impact I will have. I think the key will be to actually get people to go out there and spend. I think the UK is obviously highly reliant on that kind of social spending. Um, it, it's a good sign, but I think more will be needed in, in, you know, in, in days and months to come. I mean, just uh, obviously some of the other things um, Claire and, and David will talk about, but there's some other measures um, around job, the job retention bonus uh, to, to ensure that uh, employers continue to employ uh, furloughed employees. Uh, and then a fund to boost work, work, um, working sort of skills and apprenticeship. All of those are quite substantial investments in, into, in particular, employing younger people. Um, and, and I think you know one of the key things that I know we'll be talking about later as well is around you know the uh, infrastructure expenditure because I think that the UK still has a skills shortage that needs to be addressed. Thank you, um, Kirsten. Um, one of the interesting things is in normal times this package of measures, thirty billion figure that was the headline yesterday, uh, would have been considered a very substantial intervention in sort of Keynesian economic terms. But in the strange and unprecedented circumstances that we find ourselves in, some commentators have been wondering whether actually the government's holding quite a lot back at the moment and uh, potentially waiting to see how the population responds to this initial set of stimulus measures, um, with perhaps even more fundamental interventions coming in the autumn budget. Is that an analysis you would agree with? It is. Uh, and to an extent, uh, some of these measures were expected yesterday. Some of them probably went slightly wider than I had anticipated. But I think there's some notable exceptions uh, yesterday. Um, so, for instance, there was nothing for the automotive industry, which is still relatively strong in the UK, even though there's been a lot of change. Nothing on business rates, which is where I thought actually there might have been some, some incentive in particular for the high street. Uh, and nothing really on aviation, which which I know has been struggling quite a bit. So I would I would anticipate that there will be further measures uh, to be announced uh, in the coming months. Uh, I think probably sort of September time is when we'll, we can expect some more. Uh, and of course, at some point, I think we'll also see the other side of it, which is you know where, where do taxes have to go up? Because there aren't many ways that government can use to actually pay for for what has already been spent and what's already been announced. Thank you. One of the other big ideas that both Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak uh, talked about in their speeches is the need to accelerate programmes and not have stimulus measures constrained by what some might characterise as red tape or um, procrastinated decision-making processes. There was the uh, joke in Boris's Johnson's speech about newts, of course. Um, and this is being um, headlined under the banner Project Speed, so far as accelerating capital projects on the infrastructure side, which I'll talk about a little bit in a moment. But one of the other major areas that always comes under scrutiny, of course, is our planning system and the ability to fast track uh, development decisions. 
And I'm delighted that we have um, Claire Fellows as one of our contributors today as a planning partner expert from Charles Russell Speechley's. Claire, what are the headlines in this area? And is the government actually going to uh, make the difference that the rhetoric suggests it might? Yes, the planning system's notoriously difficult and we've had successive administrations over the past 10, 20 years come in and say they're going to streamline and speed up the planning system and often struggle to do precisely that. The government is obviously very keen to get the economy moving again and they do see fundamental planning reform as a part of that. We have the business and planning bill that's going through parliament already. So that does have a number of reforms in that it's going to extend planning permissions that have recently expired or that will expire this year. And also introduce procedures to make it easier to extend construction working hours where that's controlled by permission. Together with a raft of other changes, including changes to help with the appeal system so that you can run appeals on multiple tracks, start off on written representations, and go into inquiries, etc. So all of those will have some assistance uh, in, in the months and years to come. Yesterday, we were told uh, two things. I think firstly, that there's going to be new legislation in the summer to make it easier to build better homes in places that people want to live and new regulations to convert buildings. So what do we know about that? Well, we already have a, a new permitted development rights that was introduced a few weeks ago to add stories to purpose-built apartment buildings. But that's got quite a lot of restrictions in it. So there'll be some people that will be able to benefit from that, but there will be others where the site just won't get through those restrictions. What I think the government was talking about yesterday was more permitted development rights, so potentially to demolish vacant commercial and residential buildings and rebuild those as homes under permitted development, and also to extend individual homes. But the impact that they will have will depend on the detail, all of that, of which is to be awaited. The other thing that I think the government has talked about that will be really helpful will be a new use class order that would affect the town centres. And this would be a wide ranging order, a wide ranging use class that combines commercial, business and services. So you'll be able to flip between all of those uses without getting a new planning permission in place. And if the government proceeds down that line, I think that would be a big help for, for town centres in terms of moving through uses more quickly. The second and really interesting thing that the government was talking about yesterday was a policy paper on planning reform. Uh, this is something that they've been talking about for many, many months now. They've been talking about introducing a, a white paper. We've had Dominic Cummings saying that he's going to introduce an act to our appalling planning system. And there's been a lot of chat about introducing elements of zoning into the planning system as well to try and speed up delivery. So very interesting to see what, what comes out. There's lots we can do to improve the planning system and people need to keep an open mind on that. The government are likely to want to be radical, but at the same time, they'll know that change takes time to introduce and to bed down and can have unforeseen consequences. And the big issue with all of this is money. There's public sectors out there that do not have the resources to deal with the planning system and where the investment's going to come from to make sure that the public sector is set up to face the challenge now that the economy needs to get Britain building again. So I think lots to look out for.
That, that's um, very interesting, particularly, as you say, the flexibility around the use class. I mean, we're, we're talking and recording this podcast today on the day that, sadly, I think John Lewis have announced that they're intending to close eight major stores, including that signature store in the centre of Birmingham that's only been open for the, for the last five years, which Andy Street is understandably very upset about as the former chief executive of uh, John Lewis. And of course, um, Boots have made an announcement, um, I think, concerning 48 of those uh, of the Boots stores, which is on any view, even for a national retailer, a very significant number of units. So presumably, these are exactly the kind of policy initiatives that could at least uh, help town centres reinvent themselves relatively quickly uh, and provide some flexibility to existing retailers who are up for making those sorts of transitions. Claire, just a brief comment on, on, on that in the context of today's news. We'll have to see the detail of what the government proposes, but the idea that you can change use more easily has to be a good thing. The question is, to what extent will you be able to wholesale repurpose buildings like department stores, for example, and introduce residential uses and replan in that way? So the question will be, you know, what does the legislation say? Indeed, and of course we await quite a lot of that detail. Um, let me say a little bit about um, construction and infrastructure. Obviously, uh, Boris's speech last week was entitled Build, 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 and um, raised expectations of a very um, significant um, uh, acceleration of either existing um, capital projects or uh, indeed new announcements. In the end, um, the scale of the announcement was perhaps uh, a little bit like the Rishi speech uh, yesterday, in the sense that um, it related specifically to a £5 billion package of infrastructure investment being brought forward. But in the context of the last budget, which um, had an £88 uh, billion capital expenditure programme associated with it, you can see that the proportion is relatively small. And again, one was left with um, slight questions about whether some decisions were being uh, held back. Um, welcome as the general initiative was. Um, a huge emphasis on trying to bring forward um, projects more quickly. And this, of course, is critical. Um, infrastructure has notoriously long lead-in times and projects that aren't going to break ground for 10, 15 or 20 years are really uh, not what uh, this stimulus needs to be about. This needs to be about the shovel-ready projects or the projects that can be brought forward relatively quickly and perhaps more expeditiously than they uh, would have been in other circumstances. So the emphasis has been there. There's inevitably uh, a degree of concern that if in bringing forward um, significant projects faster than, than the, the normal timeline um, might envisage, um, around the level of scrutiny uh, and whether uh, in accelerating projects you may be storing up projects on the delivery side um, as they are then executed. And there's certainly going to be interesting uh, opportunities to, uh, uh, to examine those sorts of issues as, um, as, as there is pickup on the delivery side of these initiatives. Um, the specific announcements yesterday um, the Rishi Sunak package um, were interesting, um, uh, in particular, the £2 billion green homes grant for homeowners and landlords, 
this is a, a voucher scheme in relation to making homes more energy efficient. Um, for those of us that have been around for a little while, of course, we are used to government announcements around making existing housing stock um, more energy efficient. It's a kind of no-brainer when you're looking to create economic stimulus, um, uh, help um, build green jobs, and talk about the um, uh, development of green jobs, and at the same time, obviously, uh, make a significant contribution to the objective of a a net zero carbon economy. So for all of those reasons, governments like to make this announcement. It's just that it has been made a number of times before. This is a reasonably generous version, however, of um, previous uh, schemes, and it provides vouchers that will cover two thirds of the costs up to £5,000 um, per household, but with uh, additional measures for the lowest income households uh, where the scheme can cover 100% uh, of the costs of the measures up to a total cost of £10,000. Um, so um, given that most of the buildings uh, that we will be living with in 20 or 30 years' time obviously already exist, and given the notorious challenges around retrofitting in the residential context, a you know, meaningful scheme with this level of cash commitment uh, may succeed where perhaps others uh, have failed. In addition to the two billion uh, green home grant, uh, he announced the release of a one billion pound uh, fund for improving the energy efficiency of public sector buildings and a 50 million pound fund to pilot the right approach to decarbonizing social housing. Um, so I think those measures taken together uh, are significant. Um, it was uh, suggested that they may end up contributing to making 650,000 homes more energy efficient with an average energy saving per household of up to £300 per year, that it would cut the equivalent of half a megaton uh, of carbon, which is uh, broadly equivalent to removing uh, more than a quarter of a million cars from our roads, and that these measures would support the development of 140,000 uh, green jobs. So definitely a significant package, um, but the 30 billion overall uh, figure, of course, includes 9 billion associated on the 1,000 pound retention bonus for every returning furloughed employee. And sadly, uh, I suspect that not all of the 9 million uh, uh, individuals who are currently furloughed um, will be brought back into the permanent workforce. And so uh, there has to be a question mark over that £30 billion figure, uh, given that nearly one third of it relates uh, specifically to um, uh, the staff uh, retention scheme. So um, an interesting uh, uh, mix of um, measures across tax, real estate, planning and infrastructure. Um, I think we are going to see um, huge transformation of town and city centres um, around both physical adaptation whilst we're going through the COVID era um, with increased facilities for obviously pedestrians and cycling. The interesting announcement a couple of days ago that e-scooter rental schemes and city centres are going to be or have now indeed become uh, legal. 
um, but don't necessarily rush out to buy your e-scooter quite yet because the legalization doesn't extend to private ownership. But we're going to see um, a physical reconfiguration of, as I say, town and city centers in terms of transport. Um, we're also obviously going to see a dramatic reconfiguration uh, of town and city centers around retail in the way that Claire uh, was intimating. And of course, the final um, uh, significant question is around office, commercial office occupation and use going forward. And uh, most businesses are only making their initial tentative steps towards office reoccupation. And of course, there is this period now between um, lockdown and hopefully the development of a vaccine or a strong set of therapeutic uh, options for treatment of COVID-19. And then there will come a time uh, when hopefully with vaccines or therapeutics, everybody can, 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 can um, reoccupy. But the question is, what will the footprint be? So I'm going to end this podcast today by asking our panelists to give us their views on how they see the impact of the experience we've had over the last four months impacting in the commercial office real estate sector. So Kirsten, could I, could I ask you to offer us a thought or two on that? Yeah, and uh, it's a really interesting one there, David. Um, I mean, you know, we've, we've all seen uh, various bits of news about, you know, everyone continuing to work from home forevermore. Um, and, and, you know, clearly, I mean, even just looking at our own business, clearly we have been able to work from home, but I think there is something uh, missing in terms of the kind of social interaction that, that is hard to replace uh, just with, uh, you know, Teams calls, Zoom calls. Um, in a service we've undertaken, on a service others have undertaken, show a much more balanced view uh, that uh, clearly home working uh, is is a valuable part of it. But I think so is the office, and and I anticipate that the the way we use the office as a workplace will will change. Will that lead to a, a the immediate demise of the office? I personally, don't think so. I think you know we'll have a, a period of experimentation now. Where, we'll, where we can try different ways of working, uh, and I think in time that, that will probably settle down. And but importantly, I think it will be dictated clearly by you know by a business's culture, uh, ultimately what they do by their customers as well. And uh, you know we mustn't forget that clearly working from home brings alongside you know a number of other things such as you know cybersecurity risks etc. That all need to be addressed if this is going to be a more permanent feature. The things that we just got used to doing in an office space. Thanks, Kirsten. And I was discussing this point um, a little while ago with a former advisor to government in this area, and he made an interesting point I hadn't heard before. But of course, um, large offices are actually very energy efficient in terms of the work that they facilitate in a way that UK housing stock might not be considered necessarily so energy efficient. But that's a, that's a, that's a quite a subtle point. Um, perhaps I could just ask Claire to uh, proffer us a view in terms of uh, how she sees uh, perhaps the longer term impacts of this in the in the commercial office sector. Yeah, I think certainly the office is not dead, but I think that what has happened is that two trends that I think we were seeing anyway will be accelerated. The first of those is the demand for people to work more flexibly and not necessarily work out of the office all of the time. 
And secondly, was the trend around well-being and thinking about how offices are adapted to different working scenarios, how people like to work, etc., and the quality of the office space. So for me, there may be a slight reduction in over time in terms of what office floor space people do want. But I think certainly the demand for office space will continue. Thank you, Claire. And thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Charles Russell Speechfleas and Grant Thornton. We look forward to you joining us again. Thanks so much. <laughs>